Welcome everyone to today's ILTA 15-minute podcast interview entitled Attorney Task Management Beyond LPM. I'm your moderator today. I'm, my name is Holly Hanna and I'm the KM Firm Solutions Manager at Perkins Coie. And I'm thrilled to be joined by our speaker today, Floor Blindenbach, who is the founder and CEO of Organizing for Innovation. Welcome, Floor. Tell us a little bit about your background. Hi, Holly. Well, thank you so much for organizing this. I really appreciate it. A bit about my background. Perhaps I should start that I'm like a super organized person. I've always had to, like I had three kids um, and I worked full time and my husband traveled internationally. So I can I can organize till the nth degree. At the same time, I've also realized that the innovator in, inside me, and that is important sometimes just to let go. Um, but I discovered as a chemical engineer, which is my uh, what I'm in by training, that, that didn't work that way. We had these projects that were billion dollar projects and they are going on for like three, four, five years until the, the day exact it needs to work. So they literally flip on the switch and then it needs to produce on spec. So um, in, that, in that environment, there was no room <laughs> to deviate from the plan. Um, that led me to kind of like do my a PhD in innovation management, like how do you innovate in, in different contexts? And I really looked at like all these uh, different types of firms and I got specialized into the professional services. And overall, like in manufacturing firms, you see that um, because everything is very much top down and routines are so important, it's really difficult to break through routines. But in professional service firms, it's very much bottom up and things are more fluid and that makes innovation there uh, much more of a challenge. So that's basically why I founded Organizer for Innovation to set up the tools and we've developed like a steering wheel for innovation teams in those contexts. So that's a bit about me and what brings me here today. <laughs> yeah, and we appreciate you coming to talk to us because you know we have a lot of, of kind of problems within legal when we are talking about solutions and how we're going to, to solve problems for attorneys. A great example is attorney task management. So firms have tried using a lot of different technologies, both to help associates manage their tasks, like individually across matters, and also give partners insight into status, again, kind of across matters, but kind of at a higher level. But most of these efforts have not been successful. Can you kind of talk to me a little bit about why you think this is so difficult to solve? Yeah. So basically, Holly, what I hear, like you would like to have that one system that does everything for everyone. <laughs> Solves it all. I would, yes. <laughs> the, the challenge is like such a system asks for a very centralized approach. And most law firms, their strength is that they're very decentralized organizations so that every authority can have like quick interactions and, and, and work with their clients one-on-one. -on -one. And so if you want to have like a very strong centralized system on top of that, that's why it just, it doesn't gel well. And that makes it difficult. And that was also my main takeaway from Iltacon this year is that these, these, there won't be one centralized system that works for all. It's just not gonna happen. Everyone having their own system, that's not going to happen either. So you need to find somewhere that balance in between, which makes it a balancing act. And that's always difficult. That being said, um, just to give like an example, take for instance, a system that everyone uses, Microsoft Office or Microsoft Teams. Like it has Excel, it has PowerPoint, it has databases. Yet there are undoubtedly practice groups for which some of these, the word processor or the database is just not good enough. Say for instance, the e-discovery group. So if the e-discovery group would have want to have like 
better software for them. And so you could say, well, then we create a system that has the best software for everyone. Well, that becomes very quickly very expensive at best, <laughs> because then you have functionality that 90% of the people don't use because only the e-discovery group needs that super duper database there. And, um, and at best, it becomes a system that doesn't work for anyone. I don't know if you know, like a Swiss army knife, that's what we often compare it with. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and the simple ones that just have a knife, they work perfect. <laughs> but the ones that have a compass and a comb, uh, scissors, knit toe clippers, God knows what. <laughs> no Those corkscrews do not work. <laughs> <laughs> So we need to be a bit careful that we don't wish for a system that that does everything for every uh, every uh, everyone. And then the other thing we, we have worked with with teams that wanted to to uh, incorporate, for instance, like um, yeah, databases, um, workflow processing. Make sure that you engage with everyone, um, your admins, the paralegals, associates, the partners. They all have different jobs to be done. And if you don't acknowledge that everyone has a different job they're trying to do on that one system, you probably will lose out. And it was also one of the lessons learned from one of the database teams we recently had. Like after six months, they got to a working solution, but their main lessons learned was we should have involved the librarian much sooner. And it was one of those projects like the managing partners came to us under the kickoff. They were very enthusiastic. Oh, if we have this idea, if we could do this, this and that. And it literally it sounded too good to be true. So having done this before, I asked, I asked them like, so why does, if this is such a brilliant solution, why does this database not yet exist? Well, on the crux of the matter was, it's the data entry that turned out to be the difficult part. And so then the project was not about the system. It said like, I trust, like if you have the data and the dashboard, people will use it. The problem is getting the data and <laughs> into the system. And that's hence where the librarian came in, who was in the end super useful for that. But so I think it's also sometimes a matter of thinking the project a bit more through um, who needs what, and then not only like at the end stage, but also like, how do you create something that's sustainable? Yeah, and I think that's a really good point because a, a lot of times when we hear from attorneys on this topic, it's because they're saying, hey, I want Trello or I want, you know, fill in the technology here that I read about someplace or I heard about or like that my clients use it. But we the thing is that we know that if there was a technology, the magic technology, that could solve this issue, we wouldn't be actually having this conversation like we would have already bought it because we love buying technology. How can we have a more productive conversation with our attorneys on this topic? And not just on this topic, I guess, but also in general. Yeah, I would say there, like Einstein's quote, and I, I need to read it to make sure that I get it <laughs> right. <laughs> if I had an hour to solve a problem, I would spend 55 minutes thinking about the problem and five minutes thinking about the solution. And I think that's very appropriate here as well. The, the, the tool, the, whether it's Trello or whatever you want to use, it's the end of the innovation journey, not the beginning. And so if you fix your end, then the likelihood that you will be successful is just very slim because there's just not a lot of flexibility. So in, instead, it works much better way if you identify, if take a little bit of time to identify like what is the problem you're trying to solve? Who would be using it? Why would they be using it? Um, what are the alternatives? Things like that. And then we sometimes get, um, yeah, just a very practical tip. Uh, let me start with that. Like, if you think that's too much work or too complex, then 
take a piece of paper and it's got to be a piece of paper or you can type it out as well, but you need to put it in words. So you pick it. And if you really want a piece of technology, right? Like I want this technology because and write it out. And once you've written that out and look it back, then think for yourself, would you be willing to share this piece of paper and what you've written with your managing partner or someone else high up in the firm? If the answer is yes, <laughs> I would say go for it. But if the answer is like, hmm, you may want to spend just a bit more time. And again, like most innovation projects, and I think that people underestimate it as well, like six months for an innovation project is really fast. And we see that like with our team, but it still requires like say five people spending one hour and usually not everyone every week, but but that easily makes for like 100 to 150 hours on an innovation project. And then we don't even in, talk about any investments to create anything else. Wouldn't you then be willing to spend just five to 10 hours just to kind of like look at alternatives and really think through that value proposition and really think through like how we're going to sustain the solution? So that's, I think it's just, once you realize that it, it really pays off to take a deep breath and really define like why, why, why do I want to have this tool? What I'm going to use use it for, and what is the if it's what do I hope to achieve? It sounds very much like you know when we talk about innovation, we should be thinking about it in terms of investment rather than in terms of budget. And I know that you have a great case study about this that you've just published. Can you tell me a little bit about that in the last few minutes we have? Absolutely. So. Innovation is, a, um, is an investment in the future. It's a process to enhance the profitability and the revenues of a firm. And people often forget, like a lot of law firms think in terms of budgets. And so the case study that we created, it's called like uh, when to prefer a skateboard over a Porsche. And so if you think about budget, a Porsche may be a, an excellent uh, spend. <laughs> but I if you think about one. an investment, I doubt it is a very, in many cases, a very good investment. So we had this team too, like they, they had won in their firm, they had won the, um, uh, the, the, the innovation prize and they were going to build an, an e-discovery university, a Porsche. They had it all fancy, all the bells and whistles. And then we just started working on the business case, like how is it going to pay, pay itself back? Um, how are we going to sustain this? And then they started to realize perhaps a more functional solution that skateboard is <laughs> much more attractive because that we can simply maintain. It doesn't cost a lot of, to build and we get a much better in a return on, on the time and resources that we invest in this project. So I would definitely recommend if you, if this sounds interesting, the case can be found on our website, uh, Organizing for Innovation with a numeric four um, at the bottom. So. Yeah, and I, you know, I've taken a look at it, and it's 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 really impressive. And I do think that the way that we think about innovation within law firms needs to shift and kind of be front loaded, rather than just kind of like this add on at the end, where it's like, oh, and and I guess we'll innovate too, um, you know. <laughs> <laughs> So having said that, thank you so much today for coming and talking to us and for your time and expertise. And thank you to the audience who will be watching this uh, podcast. And I hope everybody has a great day. Thank you so much. Looking forward to hearing from you. Bye-bye. <laughs>